When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Ooh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. The volume. Well, NBA fans, the wait is over. NBA basketball is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting part of the NBA, is celebrating an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code MANIX. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for just betting $5. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code MANIX. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensed partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. And we are back. Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. I want to welcome in everyone listening on AMP. AMP, of course, is where you can go to get the first listen of this podcast and all the Volume Sports Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the Volume Feed on AMP. Make sure you subscribe to my feed as well, at Chris Mannix on AMP. We have a tremendous show 
for you today. Mike Coppinger, senior writer, ESPN.com, one of the most plugged in guys in the boxing business. He joins me, and there's a lot of news, as there always is in boxing. We've got Tyson Fury set to face Francis Naganu uh, this weekend, with the backdrop being a fight with Alexander Usyk, which could take place as early as late December. That's the word. We'll talk to Mike about that. Plus, the future of PBC. We are a couple weeks removed from Showtime announcing its exit from boxing. I'll talk to Mike about where that stable might go, what potential broadcast deals are out there for PBC. Stick around. Good conversation with Mike Coppinger. A little bit later, Oshaki Foster, the 130-pound champion. He's got a fight this weekend as well down in Cancun, Mexico. I talked to Foster about his journey to get to this point. This was not a guy that had things handed to him in his boxing career. He had to earn them, and he did that in his last fight, defeating Ray Vargas to win a vacant 130-pound title. Now he's going to defend it for the first time against Eduardo Hernandez with a lot on the line. You know, there are some names in the 130-pound division. You've got Joe Cordina over in the UK, Emmanuel Navarrete over in the US. Foster wants a piece of all of them. So this is a big fight for Oshaki Foster this weekend. Later in the week, just to give you a little bit of a primer, a teaser here, we are going to talk to Tyson Fury, who is the lineal heavyweight champion of the world. He will take on Naganu in a non-title fight this Saturday in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. That's a fight you can watch in the U.S. on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. Uh, I get into a lot of things with Fury, so you definitely want to check out that conversation later on this week. But it is the topic that I want to open the show with, because here we are, yet again, where the biggest event in boxing is a fight that isn't really boxing. I mean, Francis Ngannou, great UFC fighter, powerful mixed martial artist, is not a boxer. He has got a 0.0% chance of beating Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is not only the best heavyweight in boxing, but he's one of the top 10 pound-for-pound fighters in the world. He is a highly skilled heavyweight who is going to toy with Francis Ngannou. Just toy with them. So if you want to buy this fight because you're intrigued to see Francis Ngannou with a different set of gloves on fighting in a different ring, have at it. But don't spend your $80, which is an outrageous price, but don't spend your $80 expecting anything competitive, expecting Francis Ngannou to pull off the shocking upset. Because, look, we've seen this story before. We've heard this song before. Conor McGregor against Floyd Mayweather. Nate Diaz against Jake Paul. Ben Askren against Jake Paul. Anderson Silva against Jake Paul. Whether it's at the highest of levels or the lowest of levels. The lowest is probably Logan Paul versus Dylan Dennis. But whether it's on any of these levels, mixed martial artists getting into boxing does not end well for the mixed martial artists. And it's not going to end well for Francis Ngannou. So it's got me thinking, like, have we reached kind of a tipping point have we reached the apex of crossover fights? A couple of weeks ago, we had a show over in the UK that was headlined by KSI and Tommy Fury and Logan Paul and Dylan Dennis. And look, they got my money for sure because Dylan Dennis did a tremendous job selling that fight. I mean, he made you believe in the hatred between Dylan Dennis and Logan Paul. And KSI and Tommy Fury... That was interesting to a degree, too. Tommy Fury has become kind of the influencer killer because he has a win over Jake Paul and now KSI. So they got my money. But in the ring, it was dreadful. It it was just dreadful. I mean, 
Dylan Dennis threw three punches around and you know, was disqualified after trying to take down Logan Paul with uh, mixed martial arts moves twice. And Tommy Fury and KSI was terrible. Like, it was just bad boxing. So, you know, you wonder about the influencer side of it. Has that reached its zenith? And you wonder about the boxing side of it. Like, are we really all that interested in seeing you know, a a mixed martial artist in Sean O'Malley take on Gervonta Davis? Like, do, do we care? I mean, I see all these guys now calling out Ryan Garcia. Do we really care? Like, I, you know, this is going to do pretty good business, even if it doesn't, you know, all the money that these guys are going to make from the Saudis is going to more than make up for it. Um, but how much interest in 2024 is there going to be in this type of crossover boxing? I think this... These last few weeks are teaching us a lot that, you know, while the buildup to these types of fights can be intense, the product in the ring just isn't very good. And look, while I applaud Francis Naganu for taking on this challenge, even though we all know he's going to be handsomely rewarded for it, uh, his future is in the PFL. His future is in mixed martial arts, which he's going to go back to immediately after he cashes the check for getting knocked out by Tyson Fury. And for Tyson Fury, this is an exhibition. His real fight is, you know, against Alexander Usyk, the first of what could be two fights against Usyk later on this year. So I wonder if, as we go into 2024, is it over? Are, are we just going to get back to quality boxing, which is something we need more of? And, you know, maybe the exit of Showtime and the uh, shrinking of the number of television outlets will force bigger fights to happen but i do wonder if this this stretch is you know kind of the death knell for those types of events because while they have proven to be entertaining the weeks before they are not very good on the night of the fights themselves and i don't think this fury nagano fight is going to be any different all right Let's talk to Mike Coppinger, senior boxing writer over at ESPN.com. Does a tremendous job covering the sport. And Mike, we have a big event on Saturday in Saudi Arabia. Tyson Fury against Francis Naganu is unquestionably an attraction. The question I have is, is there any possibility that this is going to be a competitive fight? You're dealing with the lineal heavyweight champion of the world, one of the top 10 pound-for-pound fighters in my estimation, going up against Francis Ngannou, who is undoubtedly heavy-handed, but has never been in a boxing ring, has never fought three-minute rounds, uh, and in his late 30s is probably not going to develop into a uh, spry boxer at this stage. So is there any chance that this fight turns out to be more competitive than most people think? Zero percent. I mean, let's be real here. Like you said, Francis Ngannou is getting making, was well, they even going to be making his pro boxing debut? Because this fight is not counting on their records. It's a 10-round fight. It's not for Fury's title. That shows you how serious it is. So no, this fight will last as long as Tyson Fury wants it to last, as long as he's having fun in there, maybe keeps the crowd entertained. I think Tyson's a good sport about that stuff. But to show you how serious of a competitor Francis Ngannou is in a boxing ring, Fury already has a fight lined up with Alexander Usyk on December 23rd. So as long as he doesn't get cut or injured, that fight's going to be on December 23rd. 
And it's a big reason why I have no problem with Fury fighting in Ghana. It serves to promote the Usyk fight. It gets him probably in a little bit better shape. And it's hard to give him too much flack for it because he is fighting the most serious challenger there is out there after this, just two months later. Yeah, you're right. I mean, when this fight was originally announced, the the Usyk fight seemed like it was far away. They had failed in their negotiations in the spring uh, and Fury had moved on to Nagano. And he was talking about fighting you know, guys like John Jones and fighting crossover fights for the next year plus, which, you know, certainly irritated the uh, the diehards in the box community. But now that the Usyk fight is locked in, could happen as early as December 23rd, uh, I think it makes this fight uh, a lot more palatable. But, Mike, I think we're kind of reaching a tipping point when it comes to crossover fights, influencers of influencer events. You know, the... The whole KSI, Tommy Fury, Logan Paul, Dylan Dennis card was unquestionably a financial success, but it was a catastrophe in the ring because you had, you know, a, a bizarre fight between Logan Paul and Dylan Dennis, and you had an ugly fight between Tommy Fury and KSI. And look, if this Fury, uh, Tyson Fury against uh, Francis Ngannou fight goes the way many expect, it's going to be lopsided and it's going to be you know, kind of goofy as a, as it plays out in the ring. Do you think we are reaching kind of that tipping point with, you know, influencer boxing, crossover boxing, where the appeal might not be as significant going forward? I mean, how many of these MMA guys have to step into a boxing ring and take a beating before people stop watching? Like, how many does, how many does it, how many times does it have to happen before, you know, there are diminishing returns? Chris, I sure hope we're at the at the end of this nonsense because, let's be real, they call it novelty boxing. Well, it's no longer novel. We've been doing this for a few years now. Let's let's. But so I think, like you said, that Misfits event was a complete disaster and a circus. None of the fights were entertaining. Some of the fights in the between the Dylan Dennis fight and the KSI fight did have some action, but those guys couldn't fight at all. So it's and you're, it's just making a mockery. Of this I don't want to be, you know, sitting here, get off my lawn, but it does make a mockery of the sport when you have some of these clown YouTubers saying, you know, calling out Ryan Garcia and, you know, it seems like sometimes the zone is giving some cachet to these guys. Like, no, look, let's not mix in serious fighters like Ryan Garcia who happens to do YouTube with YouTubers who happen to fight. So I hope we're at the end of this, but I will say I'm very impressed by the way the Saudis have promoted this fight. They really have had their arms around this event with you know, you saw the, it looked like a theatrical trailer for Fury and Ganu that was heavily produced, clearly cost a lot of money. Uh, advertising on the Sphere in Las Vegas for the fight, multiple days, I'm told that costs around $450,000 a day. I can't tell you the last, you know, boxing event where we had a billboard in the U.S. for fights that even happened in Vegas. So it does happen sometimes, but it doesn't happen often enough. So that stuff I hope is here to stay, but I hope it's here to stay for real boxing matches. Yeah, and... Look, I have long been uh, okay with the YouTuber stuff because, it, it, in my mind, it wasn't taking the place of a another real fight, right? It was separate. It was an additive to the boxing scene. But the way that Logan Paul, Dylan Dennis fight played out, and I talked about this a lot last week, the way that fight played out and the way the KSI-Tommy Fury fight play out, like you can't talk that much and then fight like that. <laughs> you just can't. You have to at least be more competitive. And I agree with you. I, I have no interest in seeing, you know, 
a Ryan Garcia versus KSI fight. Ryan Garcia versus that. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. Pass. And look, I, I, I just don't want. Um, I we obviously need more of the real boxing at the highest level, more than we need influencer boxing. But with this this Fury Nagano fight, you know, Fury has a signed contract to fight Alexander Usyk, and the floated date has been December twenty third. I mean, Fury talked about that this week. That you know, he said Usyk has to fight him. In December, that's his understanding about this deal. Um, that seems like a quick turnaround, Mike. I understand that you know Ngannou. If this goes the way most people think, it should just be a sparring session for Tyson Fury. But do you really believe that we could see a heavyweight unification fight as early as Christmas? That is the date. The only way it's going to move from that date, I'm told, is if Fury gets cut or injured. I mean, who's going to say he's not injured if he says he's injured? So it's going to be up to Tyson, right? He's going to come after the fight and say whether he's good to go or not. But I don't think Tyson's going to mess around with the Saudis who are giving him a massive bag of money. I don't even know if he can carry this bag between having a two-way rematch clause with Usyk. Um, so he's going to have two fights with Usyk more than likely. And the fight with Ngannou. I mean, obviously, he's making well over $100 million. Well over that for the th- these three events. But yeah, I do think we're going to see it in December. It's a very important time for them. It's Riyadh season. They're doing WWE November 4th. Um, crown jewel they're gonna have a bunch of big events in there december time is when they did ruiz joshua when you and i were there a couple of years ago so i do believe that is the date and i don't believe tyson fury's been training all that hard for Nganu. let's be real but i'm sure he's been using it to get in shape when i when i spoke to him last week he said yeah i, I was fat and now i'm not and he looks <laughs> better but and I'm, and I'm sure it's gonna be easy to be in the best shape he's been in a while probably having this you know, this kind of warm-up fight before the fight. But again, I love it because it's going to only... We're talking about Usyk now two months earlier than we would be, right? So Tyson Fury is one of the best trolls in, in sports. Everyone, you know, bought it when he said he wanted to fight John Jones. Even then, the Usyk fight was almost done. Come on, Mike. 12-week training camp for Ngannou. He, he's, he's dead serious. More <laughs> serious about this than he is against Deontay Wilder. He's certainly selling it in, in, a, in a way that makes you believe he's taking this fight seriously. But I agree with you. I think he knows he knows exactly what he's getting into. And I think he's going to be a showman in this fight early on. And I think in the second half of the fight, he's going to beat Francis Ngannou down and and ultimately uh, end it by stoppage. Um, the, 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 the whole idea about Fury's future, and he talked to you about this last week, where he told you he wants to fight 10 more times, wants to fight, sign a 10-fight contract. Fury's all over the place with his boxing career. Retires in 2015, he comes back. He retires again, and he comes back. He'll tell you one day he is done with boxing forever, then he'll tell you the next day that he wants to sign a 10-fight deal, which would presumably put him into his 40s as he's still fighting. So what are we supposed to believe when it comes to Tyson Fury. How seriously did you take his comments that he wants to sign a 10-fight deal for his next contract? I think that's the most real thing he said in a long time, Chris. I mean, I don't know that's going to be 10 fights exactly, but Tyson Fury loves fighting. And I think it's obvious that he's going to be one of those guys that's going to fight for a long time because this is what he's best at. This is what he loves to do. You see all sorts of guys that fight into their 40s not because they need the money, but because they love it and they miss the spotlight and all that. And when I spoke to Tyson, yeah, he said, you know, what else am I going to do? This is what I'm great at. He goes, I, I tried retiring last year. I was miserable. So uh, I, people I've spoken to close to Tyson all along, I'm sure of you as well, I've always said Tyson Fury is going to be fighting in ballrooms if he has to. Um, now, he's not, that's never going to happen for him. He's, I would say he's the second biggest star in boxing. 
behind Canelo Alvarez. And if you're not Spanish speaking, you might be the biggest star. Uh, I have all sorts of friends that don't watch boxing at all that they know who he is. You know, he has a Netflix show now that was uh, clearly really popular and all that. But I, I don't see him going away. I, I don't think he's a Lennox Lewis that's going to be happy just enjoying enjoying quiet time. No, he, he he's always been he's been a guy that has fought literally forever. Like as he often says, you know, basically came out of the womb fighting. Like and has been part of a fighting family for his entire life. And you mentioned that Netflix special, and I watched it, and I thought it was actually better than I thought it was going to be. But the biggest takeaway that I had from it was that Tyson Fury has no idea what to do with himself when he's not boxing. The happiest I saw him during that special was when he was going on tour and talking about boxing and being Tyson Fury, being the Gypsy King. Um, if he's not that, I don't think he knows what to do with himself. So I fully believe him that whether it's actually signing a 10-fight deal or fighting 10 more times, I think you're going to see him fight until the wheels fall off. I mean, look, he's... You know, one thing we've learned about this fight promotion: Tyson Fury is not six nine. Okay, he's he's probably he's probably about six five, six six, and Francis Ngannou six four, six three. Um, but he's a big he's a big tall guy, Mike, and it, it makes it less likely that he's going to be subject to the kind of concussive knockout that puts guys out of boxing. He's already fought the biggest puncher in the heavyweight division, Deontay Wilder, three times. He survived that and is still looking ahead to his boxing career. So unless he physically breaks down, which is possible, a guy that big, you know, pushing 300 pounds, very possible the knees could go, the back could go. A lot of things can go haywire with Tyson Fury. But failing that, I think we are going to see Tyson Fury allow around uh, in boxing for a very long time. And there are still some appealing fights. I mean, it's, it's my understanding, and I, I believe it's yours too. Like, this Usyk fight is most likely to be the first of two. I mean, do we believe that? Do we believe that these yeah, guys well, will fight twice in the next, say, six, eight months? Absolutely, because I know for a fact that there's a two-way rematch clause there, meaning that, for the listeners, the loser of the fight can, can exercise the rematch clause, immediate rematch, no matter who loses the fight. Usually in boxing, it's only the more popular fight, which in this case is Tyson Fury. So, of course, Usyk's going to exercise the rematch clause if he loses, and so is Tyson Fury. So I don't see how we don't see a second fight. And I'm told the money is guaranteed already because, you know, I get always isn't rematch clauses. Um, so, yeah, we're going to see two fights, and that'll probably be Tyson Fury's, you know, maybe, maybe Fury fights twice in 2024 if he fights Usyk in December. I don't know. But I do think there are other fights that are intriguing for Tyson Fury past Usyk. You know, you have Joshua's still out there. I mean, it's not the number one on my radar anymore, but it's still going to be big in the UK. That's nearing its expiration date. You have Andy Ruiz out there still. You know, you have uh, Jalil Zhang. Maybe Fury goes to China for a fight against Zhang. That would be intriguing. So I think there are fights out there. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, all three guys, uh, I mean, Andy Ruiz, I'm kind of down on. Andy Ruiz has fought like <laughs> twice since 2019. That that to me is is wild. Um <laughs> Nichols wrote the free advice to the promoters of Usyk and Tyson Fury, at least as far as the U.S. goes, and probably globally, make the fight free. Put it on BT Sport in the U.K. Put it on regular ESPN in the U.S. Uh, I understand to a degree why Fury Ngannou is on pay-per-view, because the MMA fans are going to buy. They're conditioned to buy Francis Ngannou fights. I, I-, I kind of, sort of get that. But I- I've written this, Mike. Like The idea of putting a fight where 
the money is already in hand, right? The money's already there. The Saudis have put up the money for this fight and for the Usyk fight. The idea of putting these fights on pay-per-view is is mind-boggling to me. That is the equivalent of winning the lottery and then stealing pennies from the jar on the way out of the store. Like, it doesn't... I don't understand why you'd want to gouge boxing fans. So, if and when the Usyk-Fury fight happens, make it on regular subscription BT in the UK... Put it on ESPN. You'll benefit from that. Having Fury Usyk on regular ESPN is a great way to kind of grow the Fury brand and to grow even grow the Usyk brand in the U.S. I think you've got to do. You've got to find a way to make it free. You've got to find a way to put it on regular great. network TV. That's just uh, my my take on that. Um, let's talk about the PBC. Showtime is getting out of boxing at the end of this year. That much we learned in recent weeks. They've got a show. With my man Demetrius Andrade beating David Benavidez on November 25th, and then they've probably got another show uh, in December, maybe two shows. I don't know what the the final count is going to be before Showtime goes off the air, but they will be out of boxing at the end of this year. Uh, you're as plugged in as anybody on all this, Mike. Right now, as we record this in late October, what do you think the future is for PBC? What are they looking at? What's realistic? What is going to happen with their still very deep stable of fighters? Look, I mean, PBC has lost many network deals over the years. Um, some, you know, because the deals expired, other reasons. So I think they're going to be just fine. You know, Al Heyman figures these things out. He has a lot of fighters, like you said. And right now, I'm, I believe he's still talking to the zone, or the zone was talking to him and he's talking to Amazon. You know, I heard he's been talking to Turner Sports as well. So, you know, like you always say on your podcast, live sports rights are at a premium right now. Uh, somebody's going to want this live premium content. There are some big names there. And what I'm told right now, basically, is that Heyman has three fights he knows are going to take place, you know, in the first half of 2024, that he's able to kind of shop around as he has these talks. And that's the rematch between Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. You have Canelo Alvarez's May fight, whoever that may come against. And then you have Javante Davis's first fight of 2024, which is supposed to be earlier in the year. So those are three big names. Well, four big names. And you're going to have some attractive fights with some network that's going to want to do pay-per-view. But I have to say, I, I think there's, a, I think one kind of misunderstanding with boxing is pay-per-view isn't this massive moneymaker for the networks. Mm-hmm. It's really about the, the subscribers, serving the subscribers, or if you're on, you know, advertising dollars, that's where, that's where the money's at. So I think PBC is going to have to figure out their model a little bit. Like you said, they have the best roster in boxing. They had, they've had an amazing 2023, some big, big fights. But when, and I think you touched on this on your last episode, when you look at their 2023 and some of the, you know, all the big fights are going to pay-per-view. The, the offerings on regular Showtime were, you know, stuff that you usually see on undercards on, on PBC and Showtime in years past. I think it was 2018, which was their best year. If you look at that year, I think it was very different than the last couple of years. And same with HBO at the end. So I think for PBC, though, worst case scenario, like let's, say, let's, let's say, which I, I, I doubt would happen, they can't find a, a partnership or deal they like. They could do their own pay-per-views and stack the cards and probably do one a, one a month like UFC does and be fine, no? Uh, well, I mean, it's an interesting point. I, I do think they'll have no problem selling pay-per-views or getting someone to be the distributor for their pay-per-views. Yeah, their top, no their top-end talent is too good. People want to be in the Crawford Spence business. People want to be in the Javante Davis business. People obviously want to be in the Canelo Alvarez business. Those guys are revenue drivers. And even if the money is not enormous 
for uh, distributors, whether it's Amazon, DAZN, somebody else, there still is a little bit of profit to be made there. It's just the question ultimately comes down to, can you know? Can they satisfy the demands of their stable, the obligation they have with their stable, doing one pay per view per month? Like this November fight card with Andrade Benavidez, which Andrade again is going to win, by the way, just so we can keep that into the universe. Um, <laughs> so, it, but it, Mike, it's it's shaping out to be. Like a really good card from top to bottom. You've got mm-hmm. Subriel Matias on that card in an excellent fight, 140-pound uh, world title fight. Jamal Charlo, I- I'm not overly enthused about him fighting Jose Benavidez, but you know, as a co-main undercard, that, that's fine. You know, having Jamal Charlo back in a comeback fight, the main event I think is going to be competitive. Um, can they? Do you really think they can? They can pull that off and satisfy all the obligations they're going to have by, let's say, doing one pay-per-view per month and loading up the undercard with some of their fighters? Um, I think they could. I, I don't think it'll come down to that, but I think what it will come down to is with these pay-per-view distribution deals, you know, let's say Amazon, they, they're going to need some guaranteed money or want some guaranteed money. That's how Heyman's been able to put together all these big fights right over the years is having some guaranteed money that he's not on the, taking all the risk. And then the risk, some of the risk is being passed on to the network. Like, I remember when Wilder fought Dominic Brazil after the zone offered Wilder. I think he made, like, $20 million for Brazil. Mm. Maybe it was a little less. But it was something out. It was between 15 and $20 million. It was outrageous. So, um, look, I think when, when PBC had, I think it was, like, what, almost 200 fighters a few years ago, they ended up cutting a lot of those fighters. And there were, there were fighters at the end of the roster, obviously, the opponents. Maybe that happens now a little bit. I'm not sure. But they don't have as many top guys as they had a few years ago. A lot of the guys have aged out. Wilder just turned 38 last week. He's fought one round in two years. Um, Andy Ruiz, you mentioned, doesn't fight really. So um, you have that. I mean, Errol Spence, you know, I don't know how much longer. He's always, he said a lot of times he doesn't want to fight that much longer. Um, Crawford isn't signed to PBC, I don't believe, past you know the next Spence fight. So who are we talking about? We're talking about Canelo Alvarez, who has two fights left. We're talking about a Gervonta Davis, you know. You have you have a lot of other nice fighters like David Benavidez, Caleb Plant, you know Keith Thurman, but I don't think it's as many as we might have thought. But it's still the best roster in boxing. You know, one of the things I've been hearing from people in the industry is that when it comes to getting a deal for PBC, one thing that Heyman um, could do is use some of the money that he's going to be getting from Showtime. Like there was one year left on that contract with Showtime. So they're paying him out something. I've heard anywhere from the range of 15, $20 million. That's just, you know, gossip at this point, but like there's money coming in that he can use to subsidize some of uh, some shows on a variety of different networks. Do you think that's a possibility for PBC in at least the first half of next year? I mean, I think it'll make a lot of sense if you go to an Amazon who, you know, I, I've heard, and again, it's a couple of weeks ago that they weren't talking about guarantees at the time. So if that's the case, you could go to an Amazon and say, hey, look, we really want to do a monthly pay-per-view. We want to have a monthly show that's on Prime Video. We have all this money, right? Like you said, it was a 10-figure, um, sorry, an eight-figure buyout. Mm-hmm. We have all this money now. They could put on a couple of shows for Amazon as kind of like proof of concept, right? If they wanted to, and, and maybe Amazon pays for the production or whatever, Amazon, whoever the network may be, I think it gives them a lot of flexibility. I I, I don't think, uh, the, the, like you say, always say, the TV landscape is changing, especially in sports. So I think change can be good, and I think Heyman's going to be fine. I, I think he has a lot of options at his disposal here. 
Do you think, you know, in, in the absence of knowing what those options are, do you think that some other promoters and other networks over the next four or five months could poach some of these guys? Maybe not poach from Heyman. They'll always be loyal to Al Heyman. They should. Al Heyman, I've often said and will continue to say, is been one of the greatest assets for boxers that's been out there. I mean, the number of fighters that swear by him, as you well know, are are, are legion. Um, but, you know, there are guys of an idol for a long time and, and guys that want to get out. And if another network or promoter is offering an opportunity, do you think the door's open for some of that in the next uh, you know half year? I think the door's always open yes, uh, when it comes to money. Yeah, a, a lot of the, you're right. Payment has been great to his fighters, even if he hasn't always been great for boxing. But, mm. you, you know, if the money's drawing up a little bit, you remember Heyman, you know, had a lot of these guys when, after he had all that money from Waddell and Reed. So you're talking about guys that were getting, you know, two and $3 million for Ruth and title defenses. Like that money, I would have to imagine is gone now. Like you're not, you're not talking about these wacky paydays. And, and on the zone, we've seen it. The paydays have come down drastically from where they started. So, yeah, I do think the door is open. The question is, is who are those fighters? Because I don't think you're talking about the guys at the top of, of the roster. But, like, even Wilder was, you know, he was contemplating fighting in Saudi Arabia right against Joshua. That wouldn't have been a PBC event, necessarily. So, mm-hmm. I think fighters are interested. I just don't know that there are so many guys left on the, at the end of that PBC roster. Again, like, you're Dennis Ugas. He has another eye injury. He just lost. Like You're talking about, the, the, I think the roster's been put out quite a bit. I'm sure there's guys I'm forgetting. But I don't see a lot of young prospects on the PBC roster. Not not as much as it may have been years past. Doesn't seem they've been focused on that. What what do you think Deontay Wilder does at this point? You mentioned he just turned 38 and the Saudi deal is not there, at least not now, for him to fight Anthony Joshua. It's been a long time since he's been in the ring. You see some of the training videos of him at Brickhouse Boxing. Malik Scott is there now, you know, working out. So it seems like he's in shape, but the kind of money Deontay Wilder is looking for, it's just not there. Mike, and, and I don't know, unless the Saudis come in or another Middle Eastern country comes in, it's just not going to be there, at least not in terms of a guarantee. What do you think his future is? Uh, I mean, we've been talking about, especially Eddie Hearn has been talking about this Wilder Joshua fight for so long now that I think if we don't see it, it's going to be a disappointment. It's going to be something we talk about with Wilder's legacy. Like, oh, we never got that Joshua fight. And same for Ruiz, really. I mean, he should have, in a perfect world, he would have already faced both of those guys. So... Yeah, you're right. The money's not probably what Deontay Wilder's used to. And I, I doubt he needs to make any more money with all the money he's made. I mean, he made, you know, tens of millions of dollars already in his, in his career. Some big fights with Tyson Fury. But I think he has to be realistic, like you said, and realize that, you know, the money that Eddie and Shelly were guys were probably floating around for Joshua is not going to be there. Go fight Joshua in Vegas. Mm. Go, you know, you're going to be favored to win. Go get a couple more fights in before the end of your career because once the career is over, it's over. And then your earning power is gone. And you can make a lot of money fighting in Vegas. There'd be a big site fee there. I think that fight would do pretty well on pay-per-view. You know, certainly not, uh, you know, not a million buy type of number, but that would be one of the more successful pay-per-views of the year if those two got mm-hmm. together uh, in Las Vegas. So yeah, I'm all for that. You know the guy that I was interested in, and he's not a Heyman guy, but Boots Ennis is the guy I'm most interested to see what happens to, you know, over the next few months. Boots, uh, you know, affiliated with PBC, of course, fighting on Showtime, but... Uh, he's been a guy that's been pretty active, Mike, over the last couple of years. Picked up an interim title, widely regarded as a future pound-for-pound type guy. Uh, 
he he strikes me as someone that could wind up somewhere else. He strikes me as someone that could wind up fighting on another network at some point in the next year. And if you're top ranked, you just had a big win for uh, your guy Giovanni Santillano, who put a beating on Alexis Rocha uh, this past weekend. Or if you're you know Golden Boy or Matchroom or somebody else, uh, that would be a guy I'd be pretty interested in in, in Boots Ennis. Yeah, I mean, Boots Ennis is a fantastic talent. He's in the right weight. I think it's going to be a question of where are the fighters at 147 because Spence and Crawford, look, Spencer already said he's done with 47. Mm-hmm. Crawford is still at 47 for now. He's the undisputed champion. But who else is really there anymore? It's not, you know, Stan Yonis, yes. Virgil Ortiz moving up. So I think it's going to depend on where the 47-pounders are. But yeah, I could see Ennis definitely shopping around. Like you said, he's not with Heyman. and never was affiliated, yes. Uh, I think he had an agreement with Showtime. Mm. I would say he's the number one free agent out there. Right in terms of being a, a guy that is marketable, has an exciting fighting style, has a, has a whole load of talent. I think his name's getting up there too. Yeah, I'd love to see him. I mean, that that performance by Santion last week, first of all, came out of nowhere. Like I, I did not see Santion having that kind of power to just put that kind of beating on Alexis Rocha. But that would be a fun fight if uh, if Top Rank got interested. And there are some other good fights for him. Um, in and around that weight class as well. All right, a couple things I want to ask you about specifically before I let you go. You, we keep, we've talked about Crawford Spence a little bit um, in a roundabout way. Um, where are we with that? We know Errol Spence doesn't want to fight at 147. Crawford has the leverage of being able to say 147 or no fight. Crawford wants to fight Canelo Alvarez. Spence wants to fight at 154. There's a lot of moving parts here, Mike, and there's still, and there have been for a number of weeks now. But where do we stand at the moment with the Crawford-Spence negotiations? Well, the other moving part, of course, is the TV deal. Like we said, Heyman is shopping these fights around. So that's going to be a part of it as well. Like you said, Crawford, yes, the winner of that fight was able to choose the weight for the rematch. Crawford has all the leverage. So if Spence doesn't want to pay Crawford some money and give him some financial incentive or whatever, I, you know, maybe Crawford says, yeah, whatever, I'll buy you a 54 anyway. But it's going to be up to Crawford. That's, that's clear. But that fight is being planned for February, and I believe it'll get sorted out once Heyman sorts out what he's doing with his pay-per-views and all of that. Um, do I want to really see the rematch? No. We, I think we all know what happens. I don't think it matters what weight it's at. But like you said, the other variable there is Canelo Alvarez. If Canelo comes calling and they're all on the same side right now, I think they could easily you know, make that happen. And I'd love to see Spence fight like a, like a Brian Castaño at 54. Hmm. Somebody like that. What, what do you, I mean, Canelo is the other variable in all this. And I think a lot of people, well, no, I'm not going to say David Benavides, but Benavides is going to lose, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> it, it, but even if it was David Benavides, even if it was, like I've done that three times in his podcast, you know, mentioned that Demetrius Andre is going to win. That's four. Um, it, even if Benavides were to win on November 25th, he, he doesn't seem realistic for May. At least not, that, that's not what I'm hearing from people that have been involved in those conversations. What is realistic for Canelo Alvarez's May? Because I think we both agree, Terrence Crawford, while we, we may not believe it would be a highly competitive fight, is certainly the most marketable opponent for Canelo in May. Is that even possible to see that we would see Canelo against Crawford uh, in the spring? I think it's definitely possible. I don't know that it's probable. You know, Canelo didn't show a whole lot of interest in the post-fight press conference when asked about Crawford. And I get it. Canelo definitely doesn't need the money. And he's not, like you said, he's not going to get a whole lot of recognition if he wins. People are going to say, 
Yeah, but what is he interested in? Like, what what is he interested in then at this point? Because if it was I mean, just about recognition, it would be Benavides. Like, that would be the guy that he would be marching towards. And it and look, I'm never going to say Canelo's avoiding anybody because he doesn't avoid anybody. Like, but for whatever reason, right now, that does not seem to be on his radar for his next fight. Well, I I do believe he'll fight Benavides in September, if not May. But I think September, like you said, is much more likely. So I'm giving Canelo the, the benefit of the doubt there that we are going to see that Benavides fight. We don't see it in September. Or May, then yeah, then you then we'd have to say that seems like maybe he's trying to avoid him. But I'm not ready to say that just yet. But I don't think there's a lot of great fights out there for Canelo. I mean, yeah, the Benavidez Andre winner. If Andre wins like you say he's going to, that should be the fight. You already have the backstory from uh, Andre crashing the Billy Joe Saunders Canelo post fight press conference when you know we have all those great Canelo memes that I still use to this day. So that would be the <laughs> fight. Um otherwise, you know, you can't do a Jamal Charlo fight because to the audience that doesn't know any better the casual audience they're gonna say wait another canelo's fighting charlo again that that fight where the guy ran around for 12 rounds so no that's not gonna work um so carlos adamas uh floated around by the you know i think by the latin press i, I haven't heard anything about that i think that would be a tough sell but adamas mm -hmm. certainly a very good fighter and he's at 160. i mean who who else is there i mean who's at 168 right now um i, I think it's kind of slim picking so you know, I, I mean, the fight will be Bivol. Canelo keeps saying that he's better than Bivol, that it was the hands, that he wants to fight Bivol again. That will be the fight. Yeah, but there's there's just no money for it. Like, the, the, the guarantees that Dimitri Bivol would be looking for for a fight like that, the guarantees that right. Canelo Alvarez that's, that's would be looking for, that's a major problem. And I mean, Bivol, like, have we ever seen anything like this before where you've got the consensus 2022 fighter of the year a guy that beats canelo beats zero ramirez and comes back and does not fight in 2023 Crazy. does Crazy. not have one fight not for health reasons not for any other reasons then he wants more money than promoters believe that he's worth now i think bevo is going to be back very early in 2024 but still to go an entire calendar year this isn't a guy that's 23 24 years old he's in his early 30s closing in on mid 30s um that he would go an entire year mike is is flabbergasting to me it's a total momentum killer too like you said he's coming off the best year you can even imagine you beat canelo alvarez and then you just absolutely school zerto ramirez and i know he made a lot of money for those fights right because zerto fight was in uh yeah. was in, was in abu, abu dhabi, dhabi. yeah he made, I, he made, I know he made a few million for that. He made a few million for Canelo. Um, look, the, the obvious, most obvious fight out there, and it's frustrating it hasn't happened already, is the better BF fight. I, I have to believe that there's a good shot we see it next year, but better BF still has Callum Smith on January 13th in Quebec City. That's going to be a good fight, by the way, I think. Yeah. But Bevel, I'm told he had hand surgery recently, but that he had the hand surgery because he was inactive, and he was like, oh, well, I, I better get this taken care of now since I'm not fighting. I don't think it's the reason he wasn't fighting, from what I heard. Mm. I don't know. I mean, again, 175, I think we're seeing as we talk on this podcast that a lot of these weight classes don't have much depth. And one of the problems with boxing that we've all said for a while is you look at the UFC, you have eight weight classes. We have 17 weight classes in boxing. If you had eight weight classes in boxing, you wouldn't have this depth issue where you have 175. Eh, there's one or two guys there. 168, same thing, right? Don't you think that's a big problem that people don't talk about really?
I think it's a huge problem because you could easily combine welterweight and junior welterweight. You could easily combine super middleweight and light heavyweight. You could these a lot of these weight classes, and you get into the smaller weight classes. I mean, there's no reason that you know 118 and 122 or 118 and 115 couldn't be combined. 122, yeah. 126 couldn't be combined. 130, 135. You're 100 percent right that you know if you just eliminated a few weight classes, you would. Uh, have much more depth in boxing. And of course, that'll never happen because these sanctioning bodies get a boatload of money uh, for the titles that they hand out in these weight classes. By the way, if you're Dimitri Bevel, like on January 13th, you are rooting hard for Callum Smith because as entertaining as the Bevel better BF fight would be, it's just not going to happen without like a Middle Eastern country involved that would put up the kind of money that both those guys would ultimately want. If Callum Smith wins, you can probably make the numbers work in the UK. Callum Smith is popular mm-hmm. enough in the UK that you could do that fight over there to the satisfaction of Bevel and of Callum Smith. And I'm with you, Mike. That's that's a competitive fight. I mean, Callum Smith did not look good against Canelo Alvarez, but he's looked a lot stronger at 175. And we're starting, I think, to see some cracks in Archer Betterbiev. Not that he's still not the... Not that he's not the destroyer. He still is a destroyer. We saw that, you know, just, what, 18 months ago when he beat down Joe Smith. And he's had, he still looks like that type of guy. But he gets hit a little bit more. Callum Smith is taller, a better jab. I, I think that's a very competitive fight in January. I think so, too. I think it's going to be, like you said, uh, we saw better be in January, this past January, against Anthony Yard. Yard had him hurt a couple of times. Yeah. And better be have been hurt before. Still finished him. I still expect better BF to win for sure, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. But come on, you say they need a Middle Eastern country, so be it. There, there's got to be a, a place they can find for that fight. Because we talked about we talked about Wilder earlier. It would be a, a shame if better BF and Bevel didn't fight each other before their careers were out. And these are two guys that could be headed for the Hall of Fame. Like they need this fight in their legacies. Yeah, both those guys, and both those guys have a reputation for like being willing to take on whomever. I think among their problems is that it is entirely untenable to do a fight in Russia. You, you can't. Nobody's going to sanction right. that, and and it's just not not in the offing anytime soon. And you know, the, the Middle East is in, then they're out. They're in, then they're out. So we we don't know how what their appetite's going to be for a Bevel better be a fight. I just I, I agree with you. I just have no optimism that in 2024 that's going to be the year that we get Bevel and better be a, to ultimately square off. Last thing for you, uh, Tim Zhu. You know, I've got, obviously, my feelings for Demetrius Andrew. I think you have are starting to get the, those kind of feelings for Tim <laughs> Zhu. Every time I look at your Twitter account, Mike, or read something that you wrote, you're writing about how star-spangled awesome that Tim Zhu <laughs> is going to be. Um, I, look, great performance against Brian Mendoza. Uh, he, he looks like he's maturing every single fight. He's disciplined. He hits hard. He's got a great chin. He now says he is coming to America. He's leaving Australia and those domestic fights behind. He's going to come to the to the U.S. to try to land the big fights, most notably against Jermel Charlo, who's still got three belts at 154. How realistic, in your mind, is Zoo Charlo in, let's say, the first half of 2024? I think there's a good shot it happens, but that's really up to Jermel Charlo. He's the guy with three titles. He's still the A-side in the U.S., and it's gonna, he's going to have to figure out. He's made a lot of money against Canelo Alvarez. Can he still make the 154? He said after the fight that he could easily make it, that he had, that it was hard for him to come up and wait. So I would have to take him at his word and hope that we do. I think there's a chance we see it, yeah. But I don't think that's going to go all that well for Charlo. Yeah, I, I, am, I am driving this Tim Zoo bus. If you're not on the bandwagon, now get on it. 
this guy's he, look, he's a problem. He reminds I don't want to get ahead of myself, but he reminds me a lot of Triple G. I'm not saying he's not good, but there are a lot of similarities to his game. Very patient approach in the ring, just like Triple G. Knows how to cut off the ring, punch variety, those uppercuts. I mean, he hits Brandon Mendoza with some hellacious right uppercuts. And I think Mendoza is probably being underrated a little bit. He's a good fighter. He showed a lot of toughness. Never mm -hmm. stopped trying to win against Tim Zhu. And Tim Zhu just broke him down. Nonstop pressure. Knows how to cut off the ring. I mean, he's going to be in a lot of good fights. So with his fighting style, his famous last name, and you got to just his fighting mindset. I mean, this guy had a fight against Jermel Charlo scheduled for January in Vegas. The fight gets canceled because Charlo had a hand injury. And instead of waiting around for Charlo, he fights three times. And it's a good thing he did, too, because we saw Charlo go and fight Canelo Alvarez. Seems who could have waited around and been like B-Ball and had no, no fight in 2023. Instead, he scores the biggest win of his career against Tony Harris and stops him. First-round knockout of Carlos Ocampo. And then last week, he looked really good against Brian Mendoza. So I do, I do think Tim Zhu fighting in the U.S., fighting on U.S. television in prime time, and if he's built the right way with his fighting style, I think he's a total package. No, really smart by Tim Zhu to stay active. Activity is the boxer's best friend, and you know you, you can't let you know financial desires, like the maximum possible financial reward, stand in the way of making some money and staying active and keeping your skills sharp. What worries me, Mike, about the Jermel Charlo fight is I think Charlo is going to be very expensive for that fight. I think he's going to demand uh, a a significant amount of money after you know you know, fighting against Canelo Alvarez. And I'm not so sure that money's going to be there, at least not in the form of a guarantee. Jamel Charlo knows how dangerous Tim Zhu is. He, he can mock Tim Zhu's name and talk about how he's not a big name in the U.S. all he wants. But Jamel Charlo's not stupid. He knows what Tim Zhu is and what he brings in the ring. And I think he's going to demand a lot of money for it. And, and look, I, I frankly think it could lead to Jamel Charlo being on the sidelines for a big portion of 2024 because if it's not Tim Zhu and it's not Terrence Crawford, what else is out there? Yeah, he could move up in weight, but is he going to move up in weight and like challenge Janabek for the middleweight title? Yeah. Is he going to move up in weight and, you know, try to do a deal to fight Arislandy Lara? If Arislandy Lara beats, you know, Danny Garcia is he's obviously not going to fight his brother. Maybe his brother vacates and he goes for a vacant title at, at 160. I mean, there are some options for him, I guess, at 160 pounds. But if he does go back to 154 and he doesn't fight Tim Zhu, I don't believe we'll see Jermel Charlo back in the ring for some time. And, and look, that's not unusual for Canelo opponents. When they make a bunch of money against Canelo, sometimes they take a really long vacation. Billy Joe Saunders is still on one right now. So <laughs> I think you know it, it, that sometimes happens. I think Jermel Charlo uh, could be uh, the next man in that boat. Uh, Mike, I appreciate your time, man. Follow Mike on social media, on Twitter, at Mike Coppinger, read his stuff, one of the best insiders in the boxing business. Mike, always appreciate it, man. All right, thanks, Chris. And when we come back, my conversation with Oshaki Foster. All right, with the busy fall season just around the corner, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Well, Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Too busy with your end-of-summer goals to cook, but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy 
Then get back to crushing your goals. Refresh your healthy habits without missing a beat. Choose from 34-plus flavor-packed, dietitian approved meals ready to eat in just two minutes. Level up with Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. This August, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash manix50 and use the code manix50 to get 50% off. That's a great deal. That's code manix50 at factormeals.com slash manix50 to get 50% off. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. All right, Shaki Foster is the WBC Super Featherweight Champion. On Saturday, he will make the first defense of his 130-pound title. He takes on Eduardo Hernandez in Cancun, Mexico. That's a fight that you can watch live on DAZN. So, Shaki, we've had some time between your win over Ray Vargas and your first title defense. When you look back at that win over Vargas, how how satisfied were you with it? Uh, man, it was, it was the best feeling to become a world champion, but I wasn't satisfied with, um, 
my performance. You know, I, I know I could do a lot more in the ring and I can show a lot more of my skills. So I, I was kind of like, ah, I could have did a lot more, but it's all good. What uh, what part of it were you not satisfied with? Because you won pretty convincingly on the scorecards. I ain't like I wanted to get the knockout, and I wanted to I wanted to show more of my my offensive arsenal late in late in the uh, fight. But you know he's a veteran, so he knew how to survive. He knew how to you know the tactics to 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 stay away. But I that's that's part of what I wanted to do. You came up in boxing the hard way. Didn't have anything handed to you. You know, had to fight your way into that world title position. What did it mean to you to to finally get that belt? <sighs> it felt like, uh, man, it was a feeling I couldn't I couldn't explain. It was a lot of weight off my shoulders. Uh, uh, just going through so much, been through so much, winning that title just made me. It made me hungry, you know. It made me hungry. It made me know that I'm I'm here for a reason. I'm destined for this. So uh, I'm just happy to see or uh, anxious to see what the future holds. Yeah, and you say it it made you hungry, and that was kind of what where I was going with that. I mean, sometimes when you win a title, it's like, all right, I accomplished what I have dreamed of accomplishing in boxing but then again there are three other belts other weight classes like did what kind of effect did winning that title have on you when it came to that stuff man it just it just let me know that i belong like that that it's more and more stuff that i can do um you know i want to keep adding stuff to my resume try to get to the hall of fame um build as much wealth as i can things like that and winning that winning that first world title it just let me know I'm, I'm, I can't do these things. So it just made me hungry. Like, when, when what's next? <laughs> How would you describe kind of the road you've traveled to to get to this point? I mean, as I mentioned, you weren't, you know, the hotshot prospect aligned with the top promoter early on. We saw you fighting on the Ring City Boxing Series recently as a couple of years ago. Um, you know, how would you describe kind of the, the journey to get to this point? Man, the journey was so long and and, and just <laughs> crazy up and downs. I remember um beginning of my career, like three, four fights in and like I would go to fights and I would weigh in and then the day of the fight they called me and tell me the promoter ain't got all his stuff. Like we didn't already weighed in and everything <laughs> and the fight get canceled, <laughs> you know. Just going through things like that on the way up and you know, the two losses and the business side and just going through all of that, it, it, it was a crazy journey. But now I learned from everything. I know what to look for. You know, I know how to be ready to when I step in that ring mentally and physically. So and I know how to focus and tune everything out, you know. So I, I definitely learned from every, all the experiences that I that I had. Yeah. And. While I was preparing to talk to you, uh, I was also preparing for something I'm doing later this week with Regis Progre, who is another guy that, you know, didn't have anything handed to him very early in his career. Had a lot, I think, the same stories that that you kind of shared there early on. Fights canceled, little money, you know, no promoter effectively behind you. Does it make you kind of appreciate the successful moments more knowing that you had to, you know, fight so hard to get there? Oh, for sure, because you know you don't want to you 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 know where you came from and and 
like you said, nothing was handed. So, um, you know, you don't want nobody to take it, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's real big with me when I go into camps, when I go into these fights. I still act like my back is against the wall. You know, I still got that mentality with the chip on my shoulder thing. So um, it definitely helped me out because nothing, like you say, nothing's been handled. And a lot of these guys, they they had the big promotion they had, and they got these opportunities over and over again. I don't feel like I'm in that position. So I got to go all out with every, you know, every fight, everything that I do when it comes to the sport. Before I get to this fight coming up against Hernandez, I have to ask, how long did it take you to get your version of the WBC title, and where do you keep it now uh, when it's when it's around? Oh, I, I left with it the same night. Okay. It, it, it was the vacant title, so I, I, I was able to drive home with it. Uh, <laughs> That's a nice feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I keep it in my room, and uh, I keep it in my room, and, and I just – keep it on my, my dresser so when I'm walking in, when I'm waking up, I see it, you know, and it, it's just my motivation getting up and just knowing I don't want nobody else to have it. <laughs> That's great. That's great that you got to take it home with you. I mean, I, I know so many guys that, you know, they win that title and they wear it in the ring, but then they give it back to the yeah. fighter that they took it off. They have to wait like weeks, sometimes even more than a month before they can get their hands on their belt. I know it drives guys crazy. That's awesome that you got to drive home and, and have it uh, right away in your hands. Th these titles, Oshaki, are, are they're currency in boxing. You have a title, all of a sudden you become a player in whatever division you're in. Uh, it took you some time to kind of, you know, as you are doing here, aligning yourself with Matchroom, you know, getting a fight uh, on the zone and potentially getting some other big fights down the line after that. Um, did it surprise you that, you know, the offers maybe didn't come flooding in or did they come flooding in? Or you just had to decide what you needed, what was right for your career. Um, the, the offers, they, they came for sure. Um, just certain things got into the, to the middle of it. Um, so right now we going into, we still a free agent. We going into the, to the fight, um, still free agents, but, um, I just feel like, you know, God had other plans. Um, whatever they was offering me then with the performance I'm going to give next week, it, it probably got to be more. So, um, I'm just putting it in God's hands. It, it definitely was a lot of offers that came though, for sure. Mm -hmm. So is it fair to say then you're kind of betting on yourself again in this fight that you're going to do something special and whatever is out there is going to be even better for the one after? For sure. Mm. For sure. That's 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 definitely the plan. Um mm. to go out go in there and uh put on a great performance, spectacular performance and then and then figure it out after. It, it does make some sense, um, at least on paper, to be working with Matchroom as you're doing for this fight specifically. They've got Joe Cordina, who's got a title overseas. They've got Lee Wood moving up in weight, who is probably gonna compete for a title at some point. They seem to be players in the 130 pound division. Was that on your mind when you decided to take this fight working with Matchroom? Um, when I first became a free agent, I'm not going to lie. Matchroom was, Matchroom was, you can hear me, bro. I can hear you now. You got back in. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll clean that All up. Right, my bad. Yeah. Um, I, like when I first became a free agent, Matchroom was definitely like top, 
on my list, like one of the top on my list. Um, hopefully, like I, like I say, we can do business after this and, and moving forward. I don't want to look past my guy, uh, Rocky, but, you know, when we get the W, I'm, I'm definitely willing to, and open to making them kind of fights after this, for sure. What's the unification fight, if that's what you're after? What's the unification fight that right now interests you the most? I would say Cardena, but the one that would make me most excited and most get up for is Navarrete. Uh, yeah, that... So, if I'm going with the the, the person that I want to actually see next, it would be Cardina. Mm. Um, but the person that they they look at as me one and him number two, that's the person I want to see also, and that's Navarrete. Sure, that, that's interesting. Navarrete is a exciting fighter, uh, yeah. Mexican. You know that would certainly be a yeah. good stylistic fight in the ring. Why, why do you say Navarrete would? It, like you know, Cordina, you want, but Navarrete. Why did he? Why would he interest you the most? You know the the hype, the the style <laughs> behind them. Just you know that the, the the intensity of that fight. I feel like because he 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 comes. You know he comes and he he got the awkwardness with him. I like I like him. You know I like I like how he, I like how he move and I feel like I can make him look basic. You know, so it's it's one of the things where I, I just. I think that's the fight that'll make me like turn me over to like, you know, pound for pound or something like that. Is your goal right now to become undisputed or do you have different goals at the moment? My goal right now is that is to come. I, I definitely want to become unified. Um, I know the road to undisputed would be hard in my, my division. So I'm not really going to make that a, a big goal because the belt's so spread out. Um, you got Hector with PBC, then Navarrete mm -hmm. with top rank, and Cardina obviously with Matchroom. But yeah, maybe that's why. If, maybe that's why being a free agent's a good thing, man. Maybe that's why being able to pick yeah. and choose where you go ain't bad. Yeah, yeah. But Navarrete, they're gonna keep him away from me. Um, <laughs> nah, for sure. I, I we ain't ever had no discussion about fighting him, so I don't. I don't see that happening. Um, that's just a fantasy fight for me. Mm -hmm. I don't see it. I don't see it. But um, definitely want to unify and, and I want to keep growing my, my 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 fan base to where I, you know move up to thirty five and eventually move up to forty. And I don't know that might be the last way I go, but I you never know, you know. So that's 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 my thing. Just building my stock right now and, and just showing everybody that I'm I'm here to stay. I'm one of the greats. Would you be comfortable building your fan base in the UK against someone like Joe Cordina? Yep. And that's why I, <laughs> I, 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 I would love to go to the UK. Like that's, that's, I don't understand a lot of the talk was, uh, priced each other, priced ourselves out or whatever. Like, bro, we never even talked about no numbers or nothing. We didn't even have a conversation, bro. Mm. <laughs> like <laughs> the most we talked was on, on Twitter and that was me <laughs> going at him and he was coming back at me. Other than that, we didn't even get that far, you know? So, and, and it just tell you like out of my last three or four fights, only like two of them has been in the U S mm -hmm. <laughs> Dubai, Costa Rica, um, now Mexico. Um, 
I have no problem going overseas. Like I say, I always say the ring don't change, mm. and and the people can't fight for them. So, mm. you know, I'm, I'm I would definitely go to the UK for sure. Next, hey, there fight, are some, like, there are some Americans that have made some good money fighting over in the UK, and if you look at your potential options, you know, if you can get Cordina. Uh, who knows? Maybe wouldn't Warrington fight again at 130? That wouldn't be for another title if you fought one of them. But that's a lot of money fighting over there. It's a business first, right? Like that, that's sure. what you're after first and foremost. Most definitely. I, I, I have no problem going to, to the UK. I love their fans. They lawyer fans. Just like I, I, I kind of like to compare them to the Mexican fan base. They're, they're, they're lawyer and they're behind their guys 100 percent. So. Mm. Um, I would definitely like to go over there, and I got some, I got some UK fans, so shout out to them, you know, shout out to them. But um, for sure, I I I go over that next fight. Mm-hmm. First up, first up, you've got Eduardo Hernandez in front of you, tough guy, and you said you want to show something in this fight. What kind of things do you want to show? What kind of performance are you hoping to put on on Saturday? Uh, a, a, a clinic, man. Uh, defense, offense. Um, my power, my speed, just everything. I don't think a lot of people that, that see me spar, that see me work in the gym, they see what I actually can do. But certain fights, you know, certain styles, you know, you got to fight that certain style. And I feel like this this going to be that style in front of me to to bring out my fireworks, bring out my talents and stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. That's a good time, man. Well, good luck to you on Saturday against the Water Hernandez. Always good to see guys like you, Oshaki, have success, guys that have had to work hard to get to where they are to get a world title around their weights. Congrats on that, and uh, hopefully after this fight, big things to come in 2024, man. Good luck to you. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Mike Coppinger and Oshaki Foster for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And later this week, stay tuned to this feed. We will get my conversation with Tyson Fury. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that. And even, Checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.